This is Simon Transparently Awakening the heart of humanity As we see beyond the lies And open our eyes to realize This is our time to rise Welcome everyone to another Simon Transparently And today I am with a very good friend This is Yasmin DiGiorgio And we met some years ago when I arrived on the Maltese island called Malta And... She was working in a sort of, you could say, revolutionary cafe, if you will, um, and sharing wisdom around uh, healthy living and, and had this beautiful space. And when we met, there was just this instant connection. There was this intrigue that I had about her. She had this shaved head. She was intriguing and beautiful energy. And we spoke. And the first things we spoke about were actually Hanuman, which is a uh, an amazing, um, uh, you could say, Indian uh, god, no less. And we started speaking about this. And anyway, one thing led to another, and we've been th- friends for many years. And Yasmin, for me, is... She's one of those friends where we don't speak all the time, but when we speak in that moment, we pick up from where we left off. And she always has a lot of inspiration. She always gives me great reflection. And she is what I would say uh, an, uh, a wise entrepreneurial wizard. Yes, how about that? I don't know if she's ever been called that, but let's welcome her, <laughs> welcome her in. Hey, Yasmin. I'll take it. Happy to be a wizard. <laughs> So yes, this you know you've been you was with me and Simon on the sofa. I've now launched this new podcast, and I wanted to get you on as just a, a powerful influencer. That's what you are, in my opinion. And I know that you've really um, your tenacity, let's say, and what I've experienced through you starting a business, going against the grain, and coming into this world where. You know, your passion is conscious business, if, if, if I could term it that, and please tell me if that is or is, how, is or is not how you term it, and how you support others to really uh, feel empowered through the power of business. So I think we'll start there, and maybe you could just give a little intro, a little, little background, and then we're, we're going on our little free flow. Yeah, amazing. Thanks, thanks, Sai. We have everything we need to record an amazing podcast, kombucha and a toilet paper as a mic stand. <laughs> So it's going to be a good one. Um, thank you for that beautiful introduction. And yeah, I guess business is a really good place to start because it, it takes up quite a large portion of what I do. I, as you know, and I've probably told this story <laughs> too many times, I started out really rejecting business. I became a hippie, grew dreadlocks, walked barefoot and promised myself I was not going to have any part to play in what I perceive to be a lot of destruction and damage that business does, not only to the planet, but to our mental and emotional health as well. After spending quite a a while traveling and sort of indulging and not having any responsibilities and just going on some self-exploration, through that challenge, through that experience, I actually had quite deep spiritual experiences, which inspired me to come back to business mm-hmm. and a big part of that was because what what when I experienced deep spiritual connection it always came alongside inseparable from this feeling of I need to give this back mm-hmm. I need to pay this forward I have to share 
we talked about love earlier and what does love do? Love is something that breaks the boundaries of our individual self and we want to connect with others, we want to share love, love alone. It doesn't even exist because even divine love, there's you and there's another and those boundaries melt. So particularly when I was in Peru and also in Bali, I had these very strong experiences and I just thought, how can I contribute to creating spaces where people can have these kind of experiences Mm -hmm. and to do anything in a big way, in a structured way, business is one of a few options that you have available to do that. And I luckily came across the stories of some other entrepreneurs who have created companies that were very conscious, that actually uplifted the consciousness of their staff, of their clients. And I just thought, this is so beautiful because it's taking something that can be so destructive and then, and and it can be so destructive because it's powerful. Mm. Why? Because there's resources in there. If there was no resources in there, business wouldn't be able to destroy. Right. That same resource and that same strength and power can be leveraged to do something completely opposite. And so blessed that these people wrote books <laughs> and recorded interviews where I could get a taste of their message and a taste of their their vision. And, and not just that, not just a vision, but they'd actually been there and done it. So for me, as soon as I saw that and I, I realized that it is possible to have a business which doesn't damage, which contributes and elevates people, then I was like, right, I'm going to do this. Yes. <laughs> and I, I do come from... You know, my my dad is a very entrepreneurial spirit. He started a business right out of university, which he's still running till today. So I was brought up with that conversation about business, always talking about business. And there's just something about me that enjoys it and and, and likes to to get involved in it. So, yeah, so I I studied economics and that was part of the reason why I started hating business. (laughs) 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 And I also studied politics, which was in a way, almost more shocking to me because I studied a form of politics which was very much about inequality and developing countries and why developing countries are still stuck because of a lot of unethical practices in the West. And that really shifted me. And it really, I can say that it broke my trust in authority. Mm. Before you sort of get brought up as a child, I I wasn't very anti-authoritarian as a child. I, I wasn't really so much of a rebel. Um, I used to have fun and party, but I wouldn't say I was anti-authority, you know, in general. When I came to this information, suddenly my whole worldview broke. It's like, wow, everything that, you know, my society is telling me, what governments are telling me, what history books are writing is not the total truth. There are all of these other stories which are not being told. And that that created a very huge, I can't really overstate the impact that that had on me. So and did that influence this idea of, I mean, I don't know what your definition of a hippie is, but this idea of just like, I just don't want any part of this, even though, was, did that happen at that time? Or was you already sort of exploring this sort of freer spirited uh, lifestyle, let's say? No, it was a b- very big part of it. Right. I said, not only is everything I've known about the world not really true, follows on from that is then what is truth and that was really the start of me saying okay I need to figure out the truth of this world and when you start to explore the outer truth eventually at some point you come to the inner truth as well Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you realize that you know everything on the surface that we can see there is a reflection in the inner worlds what's happening 
And that was a very big motivation for me around around the same time I started getting very into yoga and meditation and consciousness. And that's when I I set off to Peru on this journey to, in a way, find myself. Even though I was a traveler and I was going to travel, I had this very deep wish within me that I wanted to quit smoking weed because I was very addicted to smoking weed at that time. And part of my self-exploration, I knew deep down that this was not helping me know myself better. I knew it was a crutch. To me, at that time, it was a big crutch. So I set off saying, okay, I want to stop smoking and I need to find myself. I want to discover myself. Right. And, and, and so when I met you several years ago, you actually had just, as I mentioned at the beginning, you had shaved your head off, right? So there was a, that oh, was it. The head. Sorry. <laughs> 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 yeah, she does have a head. She has a head. She's definitely speaking from the head today. Um, so yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I love you so much. Um, yeah, so I'm just I'm just feeling into that because that's when I met you. So you had just come back because you that was a big uh, that was a big change, right? Because you had I mean not just short dread- dreadlocks, you had a full head of dreadlocks. Yeah, yeah. So that was actually a few years after I came back from Peru. After Peru, I that was you know a journey which opened the doors of spirituality for me. It was the first time I really experienced a divine presence. The first time I could say there is something bigger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, from that perspective, that's a huge thing. Um, But at that point, it was something that I just experienced. It was an experience that came and the residue stayed with me, but it wasn't a state that I could regularly access. I couldn't feel connected to God on a regular basis. So when I came back, then it was sort of the next step of, okay, I want to figure out how I can live my life feeling disconnected and this love that I felt within me in that experience. Yeah, would you say almost, not not craving for that, but sort of it's like, okay, what what is gonna reconnect me to that? Because you had a taste of it. So that is that that's when like the yoga, the meditation, because you actually held, I remember, a little meditation evening um, that I that I attended. It was beautiful. And you started to delve into that, right? Do you want to talk a little about that? Yeah, so at that time I was I was very much a beginner. Um, <laughs> I was very much dabbling. Um, I did the total classic, which, you know, is hilarious. So you start teaching before you've mastered anything. So I started teaching yoga when I was still, you know, I remember hosting meditations and then going and smoking a joint afterwards. So I, I was really a baby classic. in, in Cla- all of this. Classic keeping it chilled, you know. <laughs> that, was the, that was the hippie transformation into the yoga. Yeah, uh, so it's quite funny. Um, but I was still, I was still struggling with my addictions. I was still very much in the beginning you know after five years of numbing yourself with smoking weed practically every day you don't just sit in meditation and experience the divine your your senses are numb my nervous system was fried so it took quite some time for me to actually be able to have deep meditative experiences and at that time as you said there was this craving it's like I I I experienced that divine bliss and you want more you do want more And at the same time, that brings a lot of challenges and it unbalances you. But 
in a positive way, it creates this energy of the seeker within you. So I very much had that at that time. Which is a healthy part, isn't it, for people listening as well? Because often it's like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to find something, I'm trying to find something. And, and that seeking can become, you know, a, a sort of, uh, what's it, chasing the tail at some point. But in the beginning, this curiosity, these questions you were asking, and even that's probably why I'm also, you know, you're a great influencer is because okay yeah you might you might have been dabbling for sure but you were still courageous enough to go well you know what I'm going to learn this and I'm going to start to actually share it right that was still in you yeah I think also I wanted community and I wanted to connect with other people who are also seeking spiritually which at that time was much less common than it is now mm. so by creating a space of meditation sharing what I had learned I also attracted in other people who are also seeking which gave me a base that then I didn't feel like I was constantly in environments which were taking me further away from myself yeah. which is what I had before I was in a lot of environments where the environment was very superficial it was very much about partying and and creating a persona you know uh trying to look good and impress and be something and I could feel that those environments were draining me they were taking me further away from my truth so I think a part of that, you know... Which is quite genius, really, because what you did is you created, you created the environment that could support your, your, your needs in that moment. Because I, I speak to a lot of people and often they're, they're really looking for a community or they're looking for a space. Or they're like, oh, you know, I can't, I can't talk to you. How I talk to you, Sai, I can't talk to many people in my close-knit, you know, family or friends. Yes, because again, it's still something that is out of the ordinary to be truly, sincerely seeking for yourself. So, yeah, that then obviously led to other steps in my journey. I met my spiritual teacher. I went to Bali. I did you know, different practices there, which left a really big impact on me. And I, I met you when I came back. I think it was from my third trip to okay, Bali. Right, exactly. That was when I shaved my head. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And then you also had this sort of, again, I called it this sort of revolutionary cafe, but it was for the Maltese Islands. I have no question about it. It's this the place where you could talk about healthy nutrition, talk about smoothies and, and different elixirs. And you was actually teaming up with uh, a, doc, a doctor and friend there, no, Lydia? Yes. Yeah. So did you, was, was that like, that was... Um, I mean, I don't know if this links in because we, we, I mean, we could talk for hours with Yasmin. I mean, she, she's done so much in the several years that I've known her. But that was really your first step into how to serve people with the sort of, I could say, the more consciously aware way of living. No? Definitely. It was the first time, actually, one of those Bali trips, I came across this book, which I always reference called Minding Your Business. And this book was written by Horst Reckelbacher, who started Aveda, which was a con- very conscious company. And when I, when I started working at this cafe, I wanted to try and implement some of these ideas into the cafe. I knew nothing about the practical reality of running a business. We were a bunch of, you know, very free-spirited, very, you know, our intention <laughs> was very much spiritual which can be challenging because at the end of the day, business needs structure. Mm-hmm. And our spiritual types, very often, we're very creative, we're not very good with structure. And <laughs> that business definitely taught me that structure is a very big part of it. And in that sense, there are some parallels also to the spiritual path because structure and discipline plays a big part, actually, in our spiritual practice. So, 
or what I would call just to say, I call it bliscipline. Bliscipline. Yeah, my little my little caveat I like to throw out there for people because it, with discipline can be scary sometimes, right? It's quite a masculine word that people are a bit scared of. But anyway, carry on. Yeah, that was it, really. I mean, I started dabbling there with the ideas of conscious business. Um, and shortly after that, I decided to actually start my own project for many, many different reasons. One of which was... I wanted to have full control over the culture of the company. Mm. And um, the cafe wasn't my company, so there were obviously other people leading and having their own visions as well. And this is also sort of an interesting concept that we can just talk about very lightly or maybe dive into deeper. But when when we come to conscious business, very often we have this idea that hierarchy is bad and that everyone should be equal. But the thing is, what I've come to realize over all these years is that nothing in nature has no hierarchy. There is always a structure and leadership in nature. Now, that hierarchy can be a hierarchy that elevates or it can be a hierarchy that suppresses and dominates. Mm -hmm. And we have become very scared of hierarchy because... Most of our hierarchies are tyrannical right, or, and suppress or, or, or us. Authoritarian, like you described authoritarian earlier. and dominating, and mm. they don't bring out the best in us. So, me too, at that time, I thought, out with the hierarchy, okay. we're, we're done with this crap, you know? Um, but what I realized is that it's very difficult to structure without a hierarchy. And I came across this term called the holarchy, which is a hierarchy based on wholeness. And that was something that really inspired me. Find that? I love it. Don't uh, start word playing with me. Holarchy. <laughs> the holarchy. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was actually a term um, that was I don't know if created, but I came across through the writings of Ken Wilber, mm-hmm. and that really touched me because it's very difficult for us as human beings to live without some sort of hierarchy. Mm-hmm. The question is: Is that hierarchy helping us or hurting us? And it's much easier for hierarchy to help to hurt us because we are, as human beings, we have this tendency towards our ego and our selfish desires. And as soon as me as a person, whatever level in the hierarchy I am, if I am acting selfishly, then I'm a tyrant, then I'm creating pain and I'm not elevating the people below me. But if I am selfless and if I am serving people then my role within the hierarchy is uplifting others so this was a concept i really wanted to test out in my business and i did (laughs) through the cafes um of course it's you know the practical reality and the theory there's always a gap in between but i think something that really touched me through my journey of the first business that i started which was the gracia hopper was that we did create relationships and community within the business that helped people grow. 100%. I can, I can vouch for that immensely. And I, I was actually kindly a part of that. And I, I think I can't, we can't skip this little, little bit of the grassy hobby story because I just want to say to everyone listening, 
Yaz had so many challenges to make this business come alive. And I witnessed a lot of it from the sidelines and was involved uh, to support her because she really wanted to create this culture and community, which you know totally is going to be the theme of um, today's talk. I know we're going to move in that way because Yaz is all about that. And it's this idea of how to create a conscious culture and to support people actually, funnily enough, on this deeper journey inward, right, through maybe asking these bigger questions. But somehow you did it subtly through the... Again, it's, it was this what we spoke about earlier briefly, is like... Um, by showing people what's possible, not telling them what they need to do, but by using the business environment of Grassy Hopper and the way that you was uh, holding a space for that transformation to take place. And again, I can only vouch for the people I met, but pretty much everybody that come into that space, even with the challenges, really did transform in some way or another, right? Yeah, and I think that was always a really big priority for me. And in some ways I prioritize the people more than the business sometimes. But I believe in that as a concept because the people are the business. And I believe sometimes you need to sacrifice the business for the team. And then sometimes the team will sacrifice themselves for the business. Both need to happen. And that's when trust is created. And that's when community is created. Because when you know that the whole is willing to sacrifice itself for you, I mean, how much deeper can the trust get, right? And this is something that we often find in business, that the business and profitability comes first. So if we have to sacrifice people and if they have to miss the birth of their child or miss their wedding or whatever it may be, miss their health even, then we will always do that because profit comes first. Right. And what I did was I flipped that and said, the people come first and then we'll worry about the profitability later. And I do believe, <clears throat> of course, there were some people who abused that, that's life. And that was a very big teacher for me. And it didn't change my belief in that principle, which is, I think, the important thing, because it's it's very easy to become cynical when you get let down by people. Yeah. I was trying to create a, this conscious con company culture. Not everyone who came in that space was willing to be a part of that. Of course. Or even understand the concept. Let's be real. That's a very, very yeah. new concept. Yeah, for sure. And again, you know, going back to Ken Wilber, he has this concept that everything in the universe is a part and a whole at the same time. Wonderful. And there are certain qualities that we need to maintain our wholeness, uh, as a, sorry, our partness, like you are a part Simon. If you don't see to your own needs, you're going to perish. But then there are also certain qualities we need to be a part of the whole, one of which includes self-transcendence, transcending only our own needs and, and caring about the, the wider community. And I think that was very powerful for me personally, for other people too. And when it comes to the spiritual journey, practicing these things is a big part of what makes us a better person, in my opinion. Yeah, totally. It's beautiful. There's so much there. I want, I want to just jump into one uh, thing that's sticking in my head because I love how you describe this whole archy. Uh, and there was, um, I think it was Jordan Peterson that brought to my awareness this idea of hierarchy of competence. Yes. And that sort of popped into me as you were saying that. And just again around this idea of really honouring everybody who has their specific gifts and then trusting that they can actually do the task better than us or, you know, they have more competence and then we can actually honour them in that. And I don't know if I'd love to hear if that links into what you were sort of pointing to around this whole archy. Definitely. It's the same thing, right? It's just how we measure competence. We're we measuring it only materially, physically. Is it just how skilled you are or are we also measuring your competence spiritually? 
right? Competence spiritually would be to elevate the consciousness of the whole. So yeah, it's exactly the same concept. And, you know, Jordan Peterson, a lot of people love to hate. <laughs> um, personally, I'm a, I'm a very big fan of his work. And I think it's very easy for us to attack hierarchies. Because again, there are a lot of bad ones. But the concept as itself, I don't think needs to be attacked. What needs to be attacked are the people who are misusing power. If you look at someone like the Dalai Lama, for example, right? He just elevates. No one no one says, oh, he shouldn't have a title. He shouldn't have status. He should just be another person. Why? Because he has a competence. And that competence is to uplift us spiritually. And we need someone to do that, to play that role for us. So right. there's no problem with that hierarchy. What happens, what's the problem, is when if the Dalai Lama started abusing people, right. then we're going to say, hold on. But then, we're not, then we say, oh, the hierarchy is bad. No, it's not the hierarchy that's bad. It's the person that has abused their power. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that's such a key topic. And I, I, it, so many things are popping into my head as you say that. But like, I'm just thinking about spirituality. Yeah. I'm thinking about money. Yeah. I'm thinking about um, just anything. I mean, all of these things that we experience in our life, we have to see that they're just neutral, in fact. Right? I don't know how you feel about it. They're quite neutral, but it's what the container of the human being brings to them, right? Like, so money, for example, as you know, is an amazing tool. It's beautiful. It can support us. It can support others. It can create beautiful environments. It can do so much. But if the, 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 the being itself has a, an element of toxicity or doesn't have that competence or that spiritual connection, that love, that service, then of course, you know, it can go, it can go either way, right? But this is not common dialogue it's often just blame you know blame the rich person blame that you know and blame 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 everywhere yeah because when we blame we're saying we're keeping ourselves safe because the reality is that <clears throat> every single one of us has the tyrant inside mm. every single one of us and you know i i'm very passionate about the topic of guru as you know because i've had a very transformative experience with my guru mm-hmm. and nowadays it's fashion to hate the concept of guru and just say you are your own guru um, and I get that because, again, there are a lot of gurus who abuse their power. But at the same time, the role of guru is not a person. It's a function that helps us to transcend our egoic and selfish desires. So the reality is that each one of us has both inside. We have the tyrant and we have the guru within. There is there's no greater pleasure in life than enlightening someone else. There's no greater pleasure than bringing a smile to someone that's sad, to bringing light where there is dark. And personally, I believe that is our birthright. Like each one of us has the capability to step into the function of a guru in any moment. Our beautiful friend Carl passed away last week. He has been my guru this week, just as he has been the guru of many because he enlightened us. He may, he brought so much light to our life of the time that we're wasting, the small stuff we're, we're sweating, right. <laughs> right? He came into that role of the guru, even to his family. It's been, been really beautiful seeing his impact. Everything and everyone can be a guru. But what I've realized is the most people that hate the guru are the most people who are scared of their own inner tyrant. Yes. So if we own the inner tyrant and we realize to walk the path of a guru bringer of light is extremely dangerous because our tendency to selfishness is there every step. 
every step of the way, even if you've helped people and become an enlightened being for 20 years, we see there's so many yoga gurus, 20 years they spent, and then at the end they have too much money, too many followers, what happens? They slip. Right. And they become we're, the noticing, we're just noticing a pattern of that in the last sort of five, seven years. It's it's not five, seven years. It's, it's thousands, okay, boom. thousands of years from the community leaders of the tribes, whatever, wherever there was authority, there was always abuse because that's how slippery the slope is mm. between our light and our yeah. dark, our inner guru and our tyrant. Right. And I believe that we all have a deep responsibility to address our own tyrant right. and to look at that. And when you say tyrant, just for people listening, if they if they don't know that term, we're talking the shadow aspects of ourselves. We're talking the... The abuser. The abusers the within, abuser. right? And the, the dominator. I, the dominator. I always remember the, the shadows archetype deck that we both love so much, right? But we're talking about these many, you know, the murderer in us, the, the, the killer, the thief in us, you know, all of these shadow aspects of that we all have within us, right? All of them, the, the judge, the boss, you know, the, 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 as you said, the authoritarian boss. Yeah, all of those shadows, what are they? They are a misuse of spiritual power right. or material power. The tyrant is the embodiment of that, right? Tyrant just means I'm abusing my power and I'm oppressing others. Mm. So we each have that, our light and our dark. And it's much easier to just say, oh, those gurus, oh, those priests, oh, those, all of those authority figures out there, they're terrible. The reality is they are us. We are them in every moment. We have that. And if we're not super humble and super honest with ourselves and super reflective, we will slip into that. And we do slip, right? right? Every yes. Well, time to time. Let's <laughs> not say every day, Most but days, you know, no. <laughs> many days. Yeah, but slip no, into that. But it's, it's slipping into that. Yeah, stay with it. Go on, would you finish? Carry on. Yeah, would you finish? Yeah. Yeah, yeah because I want to stay with that because it's really beautiful because I think it also links into what's happening on a global scale. And if we can talk maybe a little bit about what's going on right now, I mean, depending on when you're listening to this uh, conversation with uh, Yaz and I, is that, you know, we're at the moment in a, a global pandemic. It's, you know, definitely being termed that. Lots of people are dying because of a, a, a virus outbreak and a number of things are coming to the surface. And what we're seeing, from my perspective, is that a lot of these tyrants, shadow aspects of ourselves are coming to the surface for whatever reason through the, you know, the, the mainstream medias, the, the, the many different uh, conspiratorial uh, narratives and so on and so forth. And <clears throat> we don't need to get into big details about whether there's a virus, whether there's not, whether it's conspiracy, whether it's not. The reason why I'm bringing this up based on what Yasmin's just mentioned is this idea of when we project out, whether it's on, I'm going to name him because, you know, it's been a challenge for me, right? Bill Gates and some of the other people. You know, some of the stuff I've watched, yeah, as I told you this already, I was like, oh man, it's a hard, could I open up here and, you know, feel that part of him in me, right? And understand like where that is. And yeah, I just love you just a few words to that. It's like, we, we often look at these figures like we want them to change, whether it's a president leader or whatever. They are doing wrong. They must change. And how can we bring that back to ourselves and go, OK, how can I transform in this moment? And you, I think you said it to me beautifully the other week on our talk. But um, just, I guess, always minding your is how can I open to this? Right? How can I open in love to this? How can I how can I bring more love? But not and I don't get this from you. Not from a bypass of like, hey, it's all love and light, and and we just it's all cool. What comes up for you? You know, the hardest thing to be in this life is at peace. It's in yoga we say happy and sad are two sides of the same coin. We can be happy. Whatever that is, that happy that Bill Gates is a savior or he's a this, or we can be sad that the vaccine is coming, whatever, right? Happy and sad 
are two sides of the same coin. And it's very easy to get caught up in all of the stories of good and bad out there in the world. Which have always been here. Which will always be here. There's always good and there's always bad in this world. And as much as I, just like probably you and many others who listen to this, spent my 20s being a complete idealist, thinking I can change the world and make the world all good, the reality is that bad serves a purpose too. And this is why I love the Indian (laughs) philosophy, because they don't discriminate against the bad. The bad demons can also get their liberation. They are also a tool of God. So we have this childish instinct within us that wants to create the Garden of Eden again and have everything peaceful. But the reality is that that is not the world. The world is half light and half dark. And the the only patch of dark and light that you can control is the one within your own being. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. I'm giving I'm giving I'm, I'm giving the, 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 the what's it called? What's this what's it even called? Like, hey, I'm just agreeing here anyway, guys. I'm agreeing. So yeah, I think it's very easy for us to get caught up in good and bad out there. And to be honest, this is a concept that I've reflected on a lot because what I've realized through spirituality is that we have to very often let go of our concepts of good and bad in order to have peace. And it's very, very difficult because our ego likes happy, sad, good, bad. Well, it's what we know as well. It's what we we know. We've grown up with Yes, peace is extremely difficult. Right. It's very hard to be at peace. (laughs) Yeah, and and, well, as you're speaking, again, I'm hearing this idea of, you know, we have duality, right? We have the the light, the dark, we have that happening. And then we have this idea of, you know, some people go into the realms of non-duality and sometimes sort of just almost dismissing that there is duality, even though it's happening, right? There's that sort of dance of non-duality. And then as you were speaking, I was thinking, well, really that sort of, we spoke a bit about this earlier, but it's, it's this idea of this balance, right? It's like finding them in Buddhism, the, the middle way, right? It's like finding this space where we're not so attached to what is happening outside of us, whether it's right, wrong, good or bad, but actually... And even it's like siding, you know, like siding is always very dangerous, isn't it? Like, you know, whether it's the whatever, the reds, the blues, the bloody, you know, the, the right wing, left wing, whatever these, these things, these, these instantly create the story of separation because they go, well, you know, I'm good, they're bad, right? It, it's, it, I mean, you've spoken about this a lot. I mean, we were both, sure. we're both um, you know, inspired by Charles's work on many, many respects, right? Charles Eisenstein and, and many others that talk about this holistic idea and and even the essence of wholeness encompasses all doesn't it so uh, yeah that's what i was hearing that like, peace is actually the acceptance of the right the, the the good the bad the right the left and so on peace is love mm. because peace means we're not bringing our ego into things and it's the ego that wants to compare in fact, we spoke in the Self Love podcast about how one of the first uh, things you need to start a yoga journey is honesty. Well, the second is don't compare yourself to others. Right. So again, it's very easy and we see it nowadays. I'm going to, Bill Gates is bad. I am good. People who wear masks are good or they're not good, right? I have friends who, if you don't wear a mask, they're like, oh, you're a terrible person. I have people who, if I wear a mask, I'm a terrible person, right? right? It's completely insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're on a limbo. You're like, uh, which I'm just like which oh, I if I go, go hang out with these friends, I need the mask. Otherwise, I'm a bad person. If I'm with these friends, if I have the mask, then I'm a nut job. Right. You know, so it's, it's very interesting. And again, it, it all comes down to the ego. That's the ego because that place within us that is in love 
has no good bad. There's no good bad. In fact, when people fall in love, what happens? They don't see any faults in their partner. Right. Sometimes, yeah. you know, not good. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you need to, because otherwise you're going to get don't... a shock when the hormones <laughs> yeah. calm down. Or they pop up. That's why people say after six months, who, who's this in the room? And they realize, actually, they've got some flaws. Yes, totally. Yes. And then we get shocked. Yes. And then we think, oh, no, now we're comparing. Right. Suddenly then the comparing comes and that's when the problems come into the relationship, right? Because yes. before we just accepted each other as we are. Mm. And when we do that, there's no ego. We've self-transcended our idea of what is good and bad. And the more you question what is good and bad, the more you realize that what we think is good and bad, we have such limited information. Of course. We have such limited oh, information. Oh, it's, it's crazy. Huh? So I can be very attached to say kombucha is good. I've never studied the molecular structure of kombucha. I'm not an expert in the gut, right? I have no idea. Let's let's see. I have some idea. I read something here. Everyone loves kombucha. It's a right. fashion now. Kombucha is good. Yeah. You know, maybe next week there'll be an article. Kombucha gives you acid. Or right. Suddenly kombucha is bad. Yeah. Or somebody got cancer from kombucha, yeah? And, and, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, they rubbish everything. Totally. And it's... Go on, can I jump in on that? Yeah. Yeah, so... It, it, I was talking the other day about this um, tour friend and this idea of perspective, right? Which, you know, I know that, like, I, if I'm just this individual, of course, like you said earlier, I'm connected to the whole, but I'm this individual. So I, I can only see what I can see and I have my own conditioning and my own life experiences and, you know, my own um, filters and so on and so forth. So when I don't, if I can drop back and not be so identified to what it is that I think I believe and I don't need to be right all the time and, you know, and, and so on. And I meet you and then I meet Rachel, or I meet whoever else, and we all have a slightly different perspective. But together, we can actually have a much more, not the whole, of course, because we don't have everybody there, but we can have a much more broader perspective, right? And, and we can welcome in, like, healthy opinions or, you know, whatever, healthy discussion. We can have a much more informed choice when I'm not so... And I notice, yeah, it sometimes happens. Somebody mentions something and default, act, you know, the response is default that I react. Then I check in, like, well, where did that come from? Oh, oh, because... I am attached to this, you know, there is a belief here that whatever I, you know, like you just said, the person I read about kombucha is, is right, you know, because it, it really resonated with me at the time. It, it, all my body was going, yes, yes, yes. So, you know, but, but then when I drop that and I can go, okay, you know, yes, said this, and that, that's the perspective. Actually, I then get to see much more. And this is why we cannot separate community from our spiritual practice. Bought, now we're going to community, <laughs> which is perfect, good to go. Yeah, because... To be together, we have to be very flexible with our beliefs. Right. Because what I believe might not be what you believe, what I think might not be what you think. Right. And this is why we see in the world right now such a breakdown of community because we are so attached to what we believe is right or wrong. Oh. Even though we know nothing, really and truly we know nothing. Right. But we think we know. Yes. And this is a very big problem for us. And this is why communities that don't have... Ego management, <laughs> which is what the spiritual part is, right? It's I our like ego that. management yes. Who's section. Who's the role of that in a business, right? Well, okay, we've got ego management today, ego management meeting happening at 2pm today. <laughs> I want to be in that department. <laughs> but really and truly, that is actually the role of a leader in business. Right. It is to make sure that the community is functional. That is the role of any leader. To Don't make sure, let's say, let's, re let's reflect on that, it's beautiful. The, 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 the role of function of any leader is? is to make sure the community is thriving right. and the community can only thrive as much 
as individual parts are thriving and individual parts can thrive only as much as the community will thrive. So we are inseparable from each other. But again, how many leaders are standing up and leading in the sense of they are reducing their ego? Right. Right, right. Not many. Why? Because it's bloody hard. Right. No, <laughs> it's very no, hard. But this is, this is so beautiful because when we talk about, um, you know, this is probably me again sharing what I, my, pers- my perspective of how I would like it to be. But when we talk about this and we talk about gurus, which are teachers, and I love what you said earlier about gurus, the idea of that we need people to bring us the light. Carl was one. He never called himself a guru, but he was one. You are one for me, you know, and I don't necessarily call you my guru, but I do I do see you as, I know Yasmin sees herself always as a student, and that humbles me because we get called teachers sometimes in what we're doing. We're sharing stuff. We're teaching people stuff, but I like to see it as we're sharing stuff, right? And and that we're, I love, today when I met Yasmin, she's like, with the students, yeah? And we're always a student. And there's, there's something humbling in that and very beautiful. And also it takes off a lot of pressure. Because the right? student doesn't know. Right. The teacher knows. Right. Then we're stuck. Oh, shit, we know. Yes, right. And then actually when we put that person on the pedestal that they, they should know, and I'm going to bring that round to the, you mentioned like the government leaders and so on, wouldn't it be great? I would feel so much more powerful if, let's just take, for example, because I'm not big into, you know, Yasmin's much more into politics than myself I, I don't know much about it and and but when I think about some of the leaders that I have watched sometimes and listen to their talks I'm like I'm like did they say that are they speaking like that um, I wish this... you guys could see Simon's facial expression right now <laughs> I'm like <"Did laughs> it's not a good one <laughs> I'm like did they say that um that didn't feel trans- very honest. We spoke about the first part of yoga earlier, but it didn't feel very honest. Yet when I hear the Dalai Lama or, I, you know, I would hear other people, like, really, I know that you're not going to stand for it, but if I heard you speaking as a politician with that real honesty, you can feel honesty, right? Yeah, you could just feel it. And then you would actually have more trust in these people. But, and I'm not saying everybody has to dive into their spiritual practice. Everybody has to be a meditator. But yes. I, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I am, but don't tell anyone. That's mine and Yaz's little vision. Well, you know, the Dalai Lama said, if, what, if every eight-year-old eight started meditation, we'd change the whole thing. But go on, please, jump in. But again, yes, we do all need to meditate. And when mm. we say meditate, meditation can be a million different forms. Right. We're Thank not saying you, so you need to sit in lotus position and chant on. Yes. But what you need is a practice that brings your ego down. Right. Because you cannot coexist and be a beautiful part and create a functional whole if you are egocentric, right. if you are narcissist. You cannot. Right. That's what destroys community. And that's why we have a lot of problems in our society right now. Because like it or not, religion did used to play a role of humbling people's egos down. And we've lost that. And what has it been replaced with? Well, because of the distortion of what a lot of religion happened, which is what you said earlier, because the authoritarian aspect of it, the tyrant came out. Because the tyrant came out, nobody could confide or trust these certain institutions anymore. And I love that you just brought it back and said, we do need that with that determination and clarity because I think if I check in with myself the reason why I didn't want to say just that because I also don't want to sound like that sort of you know narcissistic everybody should meditate but I love that you brought it in with that awareness because meditation means many different things and again are we saying it from what place are we saying it because we want everyone to follow us or are we saying it because we see this is what is needed this is what is going to help this is what is going to elevate if nobody wants to do it no problem but I'm not going to not say it Right. Because my intention, I'm okay. (laughs) Right. I'm not wanting people to meditate so I can get some so I can sell meditation app or like, you know, profit or have people worship me. No, I'm saying it from love. And this is what is lacking in our leaders. And you cannot be you cannot lead with love 
if you haven't learned to manage your ego. And that's what the spiritual part is all about. If you want to be a born-again Christian, or if you want to be a Jew, or if you want whatever the hell you want to be, I don't care what I care, is are you managing your ego? And are you following, sorry, are you leading with love? And in order to lead with love, you have to manage your ego. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so how beautiful. can you lead yes. others if yes. you haven't led yourself? Yes. And, 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 and what we are seeing, or, or this is again my, my projection here, but is what we're seeing, or what it feels like, and again, I only have a limited perspective because I don't sit in the boardrooms with many people and I'm not there with them all day and hanging out with them and I don't know their actions, but I get a feeling sometimes when I hear some of the people that are in power, oh, okay, that's not, that doesn't feel so leading with love. But at the same time, what can I do? I can't change them. I don't need to get all angry with them or whatever. I can go, okay, how can I look at that as a mirror and ask myself, okay, today, how can I lead with love, right? And I always ask the question, Yasmin, is that in any given situation, even when I might be, you know, uh, stressed or, you know, feel like I'm... Uh, triggered. Triggered, crumbling. It's like, what would love do now, right? And it's like that really, it's just an anchor for me. It just pulls it's me back in. Ego breaker it's, right it's, there. It's, 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 <laughs> ego it's, crusher. Yeah. And, and you know, the funny thing is, is when I am triggered and I'm in that sort of, let's call it a tyrant or what I would term as maybe the pain body or the wounded tenderness, as Jeff Brown likes to term it, is this idea of what you said earlier, like, come on, you know, I don't know everything. I don't need to be right. I can just, I can die here, right, really. Actually, I can die, you know. I can I can surrender. Um, and I'd, I'd love us to move in from that, actually, because Yasmin has um, you know, been, as we've mentioned this, through business, been community-oriented, community and now through meditation, through her practices, and now actually cultivating a piece of land. And she has a great interest, like myself and our uh, co-friend Pepe Gauci, around permaculture, permaculture principles. And I think I'd love, I'd love this talk to take the direction of really community, the, the, the interconnectedness of everything, right, through the symbiotic connection of all things. Um, and really how, maybe this is a good question for you maybe, Yaz, how can you... How can you link in business? Because I know you're, you're educating and supporting many people through your program um, to support entrepreneurs to have a thriving business. But this link of how we as a species, if we come back to community, we come back to the to the soil, to, to this space, and then from that foundation, we go out in our relationships, in our working environments and so on. I'd love to hear you speak on that. And I don't know if you can weave it in, but one thing I want to mention me and Yaz spoke about this before, but Yaz is a great way of expressing the um, hero's journey through business, through marketing and so on. I don't know if you can weave all that in. I'll try. <laughs> I'm going to throw it on to you. <laughs> yeah, so as we said, we need community to help us transcend ourselves. We are a part and by coming into the whole, we're forced to transcend ourselves. And for me personally, this community that we've, we've created has been a real blessing because it has challenged me in many ways. And again, to come into community, you have to let go of right and wrong, what I want as opposed to what the collective wants. And I was quite lucky that I, I read a beautiful book around the time that we were starting this community, which really helped me. It's called The Surrender Experiment uh, by Michael Singer, the author of Untethered Soul. And that book really touched me very deeply because in yoga practice, we always talk about surrender. And 
this person, Michael Singer, he tells the story of his own surrender experiment where he just decided to say yes to life. And it's really funny because in this story, he also bought a piece of land and his intention was to be a hermit on this land. And suddenly people started turning up and just once he came to the land and just saw someone building another house on the land. And he was thinking, oh, I, don't want to build, I don't want anyone else living on my land. How could you just come to someone's land and start building? You know? And it was just so beautiful to see his story of what happened when he let go of his ego of good, bad. Right? That person is wrong to come and build something on my land without asking me. What I want, I want to be the hermit where the universe, it seems, wants to create a community. And... I always had that intention, but of course we're human and our selfish tyrant wants to come in and start saying, no, I want it like this or I want it like that, or she shouldn't do this, she shouldn't do that. Um, and actually, funnily enough, I came to our piece of land one day and someone had started building a hut without telling me. <laughs> and, and this happened after, after listening to yes, it yes, luckily, luckily. Yes. Um, but it's just so beautiful to be constantly put in this situation where you can choose to surrender and let go of your ego and not control or to try and control because really we cannot even control when we try we just make ourselves miserable along the way so it has been my own surrender experiment in letting you know sometimes I come someone planted something here someone did something there you know it's just completely I have no control over the project at all and I think that is one of the biggest blessings for me and we're all learning how to coexist together. Right. Obviously, we have our meditation as our ego management system yes. <laughs> and guidance from our teacher also, who is, you know, always giving you that reminder because the ego, it's a sneaky, yes. don't want to swear. But it's sly. It's sly. It's sneaky. It sneaks its little yes. nose in there wherever yes. it can. Oh, yes. it comes through. So it's very nice to have that constant choice being put in front of you are you going to be your little part in your ego world over there or are you going to let go of your boundaries transcend yourself and 99.9 percent .9 out of 100 it's a much more beautiful world that you step into right there's a there's a beautiful saying that dara and i always use and it's um when we're in a little bit of friction between each other it's like do you want to be right or do you want to belong and I think I said that to you before. And what I'm hearing, I've got little tingles as I said that. What I'm hearing you say here is that community is about that. And funnily enough, yes, I know you've been having this, this new, new experience. It's a, it's a recent thing. But many people I speak and my little practice of being in community, it feels like we're a young species learning that again. Although um, I love what uh, Zach Bush and um, Charles Eisenstein recently said, like life itself is a community, right? You know, we have all these, you know, bacterias and we're an organism. We've got the atoms, the molecules, the protons, the neutrons, you know, we've got it all going on, right? It's, it's all in community. But then when it comes to the sort of human being, it feels like we're really relearning how to actually be like that. Yeah, because nature's communities have no ego. Right, a forest, no one in the forest has ego. Yeah, the tree's not going, hey, I'm the big guy. <laughs> I want to be here. the tallest tree in yeah, the, on the yeah. block. No, we have that. So we are the ones that have to constantly learn. And each human is born from scratch, mm. knowing nothing. And because we've become very disconnected from our elders, also, we have a lack of guidance and a lack of gurus in that sense to guide us into how we can humble down and, and create better communities. And you know, you mentioned the hero's journey. This is what the hero's journey is. It's this journey from 
an immature, selfish person who would harm the community through their actions because they would choose selfishness. If there's that last berry on the tree, they'll keep it for themselves. Through some trials, tribulations, challenges in our life, we are supposed to realize that actually when we discover that we are part of something bigger than ourselves and we get that maturity to act in harmony with the goodness of the whole, then we become a member of the community who is worth their salt, who is not going to break the community, who's going to see that last berry on the tree, pick it and give it to the weakest or hungriest in the community. And along the way in the hero's journey, as you know, we meet mentors, call them gurus, call them teachers, whatever the term you want to use, that start to guide us on that quest. Definitely. And any true teacher, any true guru is going to piss you off. They're going to say things you really don't want to hear. And that is always the challenge because it's easy to get advice from people who agree with you, from people who are just going to tell you that you're great. But the role of a, of a teacher, and this is why it's a very intimate thing because it needs to be a very high level of trust. You have to be 110% sure that this person has your best interest ahead of their own. Right. Otherwise, they're a tyrant. And yeah. then you're going to get trauma. Yeah, which takes time, which takes, yeah. we, you know, a number of, you know, connections, conversations. Definitely. It's not so, something that happens on day one. Right. You don't get married on day one and you yeah. meet someone, right? You trust develops. You see what kind of person they are. You see how they act in different situations. If they're acting selfishly, you're going to say, hold on. Yeah, do I want to Do I want to be yeah. with this person? Right. Because this is not love. Yeah. Right? This person, we have different capacities to love based on how much we can let go of our ego. Mm. So the guru in the traditional sense needs to be someone who has so much love that their own needs are at the very back. They are there for you, to teach you. So even when they tell you something bad or horrible or what you don't want to hear or they ask you to do something you really don't want to do, in that moment you have the choice. Do I surrender or do I assert my individuality? And asserting your individuality will make sure that your material needs are met. But spiritually, you will be missing an opportunity to transcend yourself and come into a bigger whole because it's not our nature. I'm going to give you a really funny example. So last night I had a little uh, gathering with our meditation community and my teacher was there and someone picked prickly pears from the tree and they brought these prickly pears. We offered them in our meditation. We're going to share them. And usually it's always one guy who peels the prickly pears. He's a guy, he's got thick skin, you know, the prickles don't go on his fingers. And my teacher just said, uh, we've had this beautiful, lovely meditation, feeling some love and connected, everything's good, everything's lovely. My teacher turned to me and said, can you peel those fruits? And I said, oh, that's, you know, Joe usually does that. And he said, no, no, you do it. And straight to us, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Okay, I don't want to do it. And he's like, no, you do it. And in that moment, you know, it's like that inner child comes up and it's like, I want to be my part. I want to have my agency, right? Like that's one of the characteristics of a part is that they have their own agency. They decide where they go. Mm. And in that moment, I said, like, I need to cling to my agency and be a, a child. <laughs> or I can say the reality was that Joe was on the other side of the land. He was doing something else. And if someone doesn't peel that fruit, we're not going to share the fruit, right? So I sat down and I started peeling this fruit. Still sort of a bit begrudgingly, right? Like I wasn't totally surrendered. I was like sort of easing my way into it. 
Um, and then he said something, I can't even remember what he said, but he was just sort of teasy. He saw that I was... Of course, I he, was, could feel, he could feel you yeah, still Yeah, and there. he started sort of taking the piss out of me, you know. So then even more, the ego came up, you know. And again, in that moment, I had the choice. And this is, this is the funny thing and the beautiful thing. And this is why self-honesty needs to be very, very present with you. Because no matter, I've been with my teacher 10 years, full trust. In that moment, my tyrant came out. My tyrant's like, screw you, screw everyone, I don't want to... Yeah, I don't want to peel this yeah, fruit. I don't want to get prickles in my fingers, right. you know. But then when you let go of the ego and you just surrender and you see everything that you do as an act of love, I peel the fruit. Actually, then Joe came, he told me how to do it better. I learned how to peel this fruit, which is really like harder oh, to feel, yes. to feel, gave it around and... Felt included. It was beautiful, yes. right? It was a beautiful moment. And in that moment, I can't remember someone said something and I just said, oh, well... Now I will never go hungry, right? right? It was a new skill that I yeah. that I got from that moment. But the important skill was not that I learned how to peel the fruit. Right. right? The important skill was the inner skill that I let go of my ego, what I want yes. to be in service of something bigger. But it's not easy. Yeah. How many years have I been meditating? How many years have I had you know experiences? Right. We've also had that, close proximity just to give a little context here. It's like, you know, Yaz has been pretty uh, devoted to um, her teacher, her guru, as she describes him, Prabhu. And, um, you know, you've had the, also the blessing of traveling with him in service to the, the, the global community, writing, co-writing and supporting him to produce his books. I mean, you've had a real close-knit relationship with, with this teacher, right? I just want to, because that's really important because you, this not even just going to a couple of satsangs or, or visiting at a retreat. I mean, you've had like that real up close and personal uh, interaction, which has kept you on your toes, no? For sure. And more than any of those things you listed, it's how did he react when he lost his son at age 18? How did he react when we were in the airport and we missed that flight? How did he react when someone that he loved and who he cared for spoke badly of him? How, how, how did he react in all of those moments where he was challenged as an individual? Because that is the measure of how far we've come. That is the measure of our love and our capacity to love. And again, going back to that whole thing of the student and the teacher, the best teacher is the best student. And he will tell you himself that he's a student and he has his teacher, right? And sometimes he says, oh, I'm not good at that. You know, with my teacher, I, I don't, I can't follow him like this or I can't do this. And that is so beautiful because... All we can do is focus on being the best student. At the end of the day, our biggest guru is God, nature, divine itself. Life itself is our biggest guru. Anyone can be your guru. Yes, it's lovely to have people in human form who you trust to know best for you, but that person might go eventually, right? right? The, the connection is with life as our guru. Yeah. And that choice is always going to be there. Are we going to step into the love? and transcend our individuality or are we going to get stuck in i want this i need that should could would right wrong bad good yeah 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 so yeah it's beautiful and and i'm just i'm just hearing again this sort of this maturity that takes place and this this transcendence as we said through going within you know because you know, this podcast really is all about this deeper call to what does it mean to awaken our heart, right? To awaken our heart and awaken humanity's heart. And I think what I'm taking away from this, as always, with Yaz is this 
deeper call to go inside this deeper call as as within so without and you know how can i continually check in with myself which ironically and you and i both noticed but you know where is the one place where we can actually do any work and make any great impact even if we want to impact the world you know i can't impact certain people if i try to outside there but i know that i can help me because i'm with me 24 hours a day no matter what's going on you know it's not like i can escape that so that's where i can really we do try our best (laughs) (laughs) yeah but but this is the point right we do try to we run away from that and it's not a it's not an easy call so i'm feeling like today's uh, conversation is really again that call to go inside yeah to to find what you need to to die really i'm going to use that word but to you know to die to those ego aspect the tyrants as a as Yaz has brought to us today and to even to have you got something have you got a little personal experience you've shared a couple today Yaz of 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 how somebody who's listening maybe they maybe this is new to them maybe a lot of what we just shared some of it's a little bit maybe over over their head and they, they like some of it but this I, have you have a personal experience of how you maybe catch yourself or because I mean you just described a beautiful one there but if there's any any sort of little gem of a practice or just some way that somebody who's listening today might go oh wow I can I can start trying that in my day-to-day yeah um uh, there are so many every day I catch myself you know acting not out of love (laughs) and I think what I would say is the honesty and something I tell people a lot is to do self-reflection whether that's writing whether that's through just talking to yourself but we need to be really honest and as you were speaking, one thing that did come to mind, I don't want it to sound like this is so hard and you have to be constantly battling your ego and it's like, oh God, it sounds like such hard work. The truth is that when you do this work, the happiness that you feel and the level of fulfillment and connection is so times a hundred from any of the struggle. Because yes, there is struggle. Yes, there is work. That's why we don't do it, right? That's why we prefer to just have a glass of wine and watch Netflix, right? Because this is, it does involve a bit of work, but why do we keep doing it? Because every piece of work we do results in months or weeks of feeling elevated. Mm. That natural, there's a natural ecstasy. You will never need to take ecstasy pills ever again mm. in your life if you seriously commit to doing this work because Things. this is our soul's purpose. And when you go to your soul's purpose when you evolve when you join that current of evolution which is always what's evolution doing it's always transcending Mm -hmm. it's always transcending itself from less complex to more complex and we the same we need to grow we need to become more complex and every time we do we're connecting ourselves to that harmony of nature to the force of nature to our vitality and that is an extremely happy place to be you feel so inspired you feel so creative you just want to drive in your car and sing and feel so connected to life so you feel alive you feel alive and that is what life is all about right we need to bring more awareness and attention into every single moment some of them might be painful moments because we have to look at ourselves and see some of them might be beautiful moments but the more you do this work and the more you transcend this underneath both will be this deep sense of peace and i think that is something that is very missing in this world right now peace i'm tingling all over my body i'm feeling i'm totally feeling that space that you're pointing to that that place of uh 
yeah, real peace. That, that's a real inner peace you're, talk, you're pointing to there, you know. That, and it's not about, oh, I need to get somewhere, right? Yes, it's like that whole thing of like, oh, now I need to do all this to get somewhere. But it's like, it's enjoying the process as we do that. It's not a chore. Like, you and I don't find it a chore to meditate. I do not sit down. I never sit down anymore and think, oh my God, I don't want to sit. I don't want to sit right now. I don't. In fact, if anything, I'm like, normally it's like, I'm not sitting enough. Yeah, it's normally like, oh man, I, I didn't sit long enough today. I could have sat longer and actually I got up and got my head all into things that I didn't need. And and also I wanted to just, as a closing, sort of bring our friend again who, you know, has just recently passed and we've just been celebrating his uh, his life as, as uh, Yasmin mentioned. And, you know, this idea of really feeling alive, you know. Carl really uh, lived, you know, and he, he felt alive and he did many things and overcome what I would term as great adversity and that in itself yeah that that gives us that deeper sense of peacefulness and connection then to the simple things it makes the ordinary feel extraordinary you know it makes us really really grateful and not to take things uh, for granted and I think that's really what Yaz is pointing to there it's like there's such a there's such a blissfulness that it's not even about being in heightened states of ecstatic nature all the time. It's just this sort of natural hum. I call it the brown rice high. Yeah, it's not the, the peak of the, the white carbonated, you know, where you go, the insulin levels go to the peak and then they drop and you feel deflated. It's like this. It's the matcha latte. <laughs> <laughs> it's the matcha latte. Do you know what I mean by that? So is there anything you want to say in, in, to that, Yaz, in closing as we wrap yeah. this one up? I mean, I'd just like to point out that Carl started really living when he went within. In fact, I told all of his story um, on my podcast, the Go Within podcast, and I, I chose to sit down with him because he went within. Before he went within, he was a heroin addict. He wasn't happy. He wasn't at peace with himself. He wasn't swimming every day. When did he start living and why was he such a guru for us? Because Carl walked the hero's journey. And every person who walks that hero's journey is a hero and is a guru for us because they have modeled that walk. And there's a beautiful line from Joseph Campbell's where he say, all the, the heroes of all time have gone before us and all we have to do is follow the thread of the hero's path and we will get there too. And many people leave us those threads that we can follow. Carl was one. But what he would not have been the inspiration. He would have not had the impact that he had when he was alive and even in his passing if he was not an authentic hero on his own journey. Mm, beautiful. I have what some would call chicken skin. I call it tingles. It's like uh, goosebumps over all my arms and my neck everywhere. And if you've been listening to my podcast, you know that I keep saying tingles, tingles. You must think, why does he keep bloody saying tingles, tingles? Well, when I when I feel the, the truth coming from another being, when I look outside in nature, it just, it just hits me, you know, it's a physical response. So I really just want to say thank you so much to you, beautiful being. I'm so happy, although we're here, let's say, on, for some on, on circumstances that many would think are, you know, not the most desirable, for sure. Our friend has just passed over. But from our level of awareness, we feel him close and we know he lived a full life. And to be in the presence of you in coming together this week and we can share a little bit more has been beautiful. No? And, we, and, and again, we, we've... I feel connected to you as always through this uh, love. That's all I can say, you know. It's, it's, that word gets thrown around, but 
you know, that's where we meet beyond all the noise. So thank you so much. And Yasmin just mentioned it and she's not one for like big promotions, but I do want to say she has a podcast too, which I've had the pleasure of being on. And yeah, do you want to just say what the, what the essence of that is, what your intention was with your podcast, Yas? I just tell the stories of people I've gone within. I sit down with them, hear their struggles, hear their successes and get their wisdom so that they can provide those threads <laughs> for Beautiful. us all to follow. There you go. So please go and go and check her podcast out and follow some threads of those on the hero's path. That sounds beautiful, doesn't it? So there you go, everyone. Thank you so much. I hope you're enjoying these new series of podcasts with those that inspire me around those beautiful topics of death, money, truth, love, authority, which came up today, and how we can really go in and awaken our hearts and live as love that which we already are. Oh, oh, with kombucha <laughs> on the side. Beautiful, beautiful, just just beautiful experiences. I'm so blessed. Kombucha must be good. Kombucha must be good. <laughs> it's right. And yes, <laughs> exactly. What anybody else tells you, kombucha's the way. <laughs> Thank you all. Take care. Have a beautiful day, life, evening, wherever you are. Thank you. This is our time to rise.